0: In Matthew four nineteen, Jesus says, "Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the Four Nineteen Disciple Makers Podcast.
1: And now back to more of our conversation with Joan Wood. You are—you uh, have such an intentional process that that is refreshing. To me, really, uh, absolutely, okay, because mm-hmm. uh, I have been accused. This is not true, but I've been <laughs> accused of flying by the seat of my pants. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Are calling an Omaha a lot? You know, like Peyton Manning, get to the line, call an Omaha, change the play. Uh, and so I've always been. I've always admired people like you that had such an intentional structure and process. And I know there's a lot of people that that do as well. And so that really, it really is an answer to prayer for uh, for some women that have been looking for, show me a path, help me walk down that path, and show me where we're going. And you really do that well.
0: Well, uh, I, I have found that it works and that it, it separates the shaft from the, the wheat Right. in that you really uh, can, even though I may not be able to discern in another individual their intentionality or their hunger and thirst for Christ and for his word, but if they will look at these uh, pieces of literature mm-hmm. and discern from them for themselves uh, what they might be wanting to spend the next two or three years thinking about, praying about, and doing, then you're going to have a pretty good success rate uh, in your group. Now, um, one of the things I'd like to mention about selection is how many. How many is the right number to have in a group of women or men? And men may be different, but here's what I find with women. Um, Jesus was Jesus, and he could handle 12. 12, to me, is way too many. Oh, I agree. Even for men, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. So with my first group, I tried eight, and I will tell you that's too many. Mm, It's a lot. Uh Uh-huh. And so to me, the right, the the better number, because there's no perfect number, but the better number for me is six.
1: Hmm. Uh, is that including you?
0: That includes myself. Oh, okay. And the other thing is that, that I want to share with everyone listening is that I don't do this by myself. I usually ask another woman Uh, to be my Mm -hmm. co-leader.
1: That's That's what we call
0: ourselves, co-leader. For one thing, that helps me to be a trainer because I usually ask somebody else that hasn't done this before Ah. so that I'm training someone else Mm -hmm. while I'm doing it. And just sharing, it's not just only sharing the leadership role, but it's helping someone learn what they can do mm-hmm. on their own. Uh, should they then, when they get done with that, hopefully they turn around and repeat that process and that progress with with another woman mm-hmm. that wasn't in that. Maybe that was somebody in that group, but they'd be starting another group of disciple making.
1: Yeah. So you're so with you and then a co-leader. You're really at four, then, aren't you? Right. I mean, you're all learning. You're all students. Yeah, so to speak. because but you never stop right, learning
0: right. in this process or in life.
1: Yeah, that's the uh, truth.
0: In life, uh, I mean, I I hope there's never a day in my life where I'm not learning or growing in some way. Uh, well,
1: you know what, pastors could learn from you. Let me Mm-mm. let me tell you. I know a lot of pastors, and I've been fortunate enough to talk to pastors at the end of their ministries, like mm-hmm. retiring, or you know. And one of the common themes I hear from them is. And I'll ask them, you know, what would you, if you could go back to the beginning of your ministry till now, what would you do different? Mm -hmm. Or what do you regret? And very often they'll say, I didn't challenge my people enough. Mm -hmm. I under challenged my congregation. And what I know about you is that you challenge these women and they rise to the challenge.
0: I never thought of it that way.
1: <laughs> well, typically, mm-hmm. when somebody's able to jump over a high bar, we don't lower it; Right. we raise it. Right. And for people to grow, you've got to raise the bar. And you know, asking these women to read these three books before we get started is <laughs> is raising the bar. I'm telling you, it is. And pastors would would be encouraged to know that there are folks in the congregation who are leading, discipling, who are raising the bar. <laughs> so I want to. I just want to credit you for that and encourage you. And, and those of you listening out there, is, you know, the reason that people aren't rising to the challenge is because we're not challenging them enough. And so uh, I love that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna start using that myself. Thank you. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, that's
0: that's a, quite a compliment. Thank yeah. you. Uh, when I'm talking with people, um, you know, we always want to use as much of God's word as we can. Um, so obviously the uh, 419 come follow me and I will make you fishers of men that that is just beautiful it's so short and it's so succinct mm-hmm. but that's part of the language that I always use with anybody I talk to about discipling. and then of course the the um, cream la la cream mm-hmm. uh, creme uh, of of all of it is Matthew 28 of course, 18 and 20, where Jesus was talking to his disciples and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Mm -hmm. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Mm -hmm. So I always share that with people so that they get a clear vision, if you will, of what I'm asking them to think about and embark on because it is truly uh, a commitment, a very big commitment, one of the biggest ones that they can ever make. I mean, three years, once a week. Now, we do take summers off. Yeah. and we do take we don't meet over major holidays easter and, mm-hmm. and thanksgiving and, and christmas but other than that it's it's a weekly thing it's quite a commitment
1: well, and what, with yes. the scriptures so you're not only setting the foundation of read these books and i know there's a lot of scripture in those books you mentioned mm-hmm. but but also you're laying giving them some foundational scriptures to show them hey this isn't my church's idea this isn't my idea this comes right out of scripture
0: Exactly. This comes
1: out right out of the life of Jesus, the Great exactly. Commission. You know, yeah, it's. Um, I think that's important because uh, you know we talk, we've been uh, in, doing work in Russia, and um, one of the things we learned after the first year of going to Russia and in, in, in discipling leaders to disciple others was that they really want to know was this a Jesus thing or was this an American thing?
0: Oh. Interesting.
1: Yeah, it kind of caught us by surprise Mm -hmm. because we had just assumed that everybody knew this is a biblical approach to Mm -hmm. disciple making. But until they knew it was, you could back it up with scripture. There was skepticism. You know, is this just something that you guys do, or you know, is it a cultural thing? But no, it's this is what Christ has called us to do. Period is to go and make disciples. It is. And And
0: if I could, uh, if I could kind of confess something. To you today. Oh, this is going to be good. Mark. All right. All right, everybody, listen <laughs> well, up. We got I, a confession. Well, I'm sure I am not <laughs> the only one that feels this way, but um I'm sure that there are many people who have thought the same things I've thought of. And I I mean, I grew up in a Christian home and there was a period of maybe 10 years that I was I fell away from my faith and lost my faith in God and then came back and was born again, but When I had enough time in my life to really consider um, all that I could be and wanted to be, and we start talking about the master plan of evangelism, I was really, when I first heard that phrase about being a disciple, how could I, this sinner, all the things that I have done that were wrong, all of the disobedience in my life— that I had done, Hmm. how could I possibly, possibly think that I could be a disciple? Hmm. To me, it was so, um, such a high bar, such a high uh, goal that it was impossible to even consider. Hmm. Well, that has all changed. (laughs) That has all changed. So I wonder how many of you out there that are listening to this might have those same feelings or those same self perceptions. And yet, look who God called. Look who Jesus called. That's cool. Yeah. To be his disciples. That's cool. So there's the reality of it all.
1: Mm-hmm. If God can use them. Yes, he, he can, can use, use me. And he is using us and he is using you. And I'm so grateful for that. Well, You talked about the master plan of evangelism, and you know we've talked about this before. That that title is so misleading because when we think about evangelism, we think, "Oh no, this means I got to go knock on doors and you know tell them about Jesus." But it's really this this discipling process. If I read Coleman right, uh, is was Jesus's plan to win the world to Him? It was His plan for evangelism was discipleship, and and so we t- typically see those as two totally different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I literally said to him, "I was like, I wish you to change the book uh, to the Master's Plan of Disciple Making." And he said, "Well, because evangelism is is part of disciple making, and it is." So I um I just want to clarify for everybody that's going to get that book now and read it, uh, <laughs> because Joan uses it, and you should too. That it really is an expose on the eight things that Jesus did. In discipling those men that you and I can reproduce today. And you actually, today is only about the first one, the first step, which is right. that selection process. But as you said, that is a critical step.
0: It is. It's key to everything else that will come.
1: And and I've heard uh, from folks and experienced myself, if you don't spend the time in selection, mm-hmm. you'll pay for it in the other processes. Portions, yes. Yeah.
0: You will. Right. Right. And I think another part of um, when you're talking to a potential disciple maker or discipling person is to be able to articulate a vision for them. Mm. And um, I'm not going to spew out any vision per se because every group might be different. You know, you could take the vision of, making disciples here, there, and everywhere, which is our church's vision, and it's a perfect one for Mm disciple-making. But your vision uh, could be something uh, more simple even than that. Mm -hmm. But you need to be able to articulate to the people and the potential uh, members of your group that you're talking with. Uh, Another thing that is really key to... to getting someone to say yes to your invitation, they're, they're going to ask you, well, when, when do you meet? Mm-hmm. And where do you meet? And what is it that you're going to use? And I always say, I can't tell you when we're going to meet until I know who all is in the group. Then I will get that group together, and we will come up with the time and the day of the week that we all can that will fit into everybody's schedule.
1: Wow, you're just taking a barrier away from that, aren't you? Yeah, that way.
0: Yeah. Oh, I can't. I can't come on Wednesday.
1: Yeah. Evenings. You know. <laughs> I like I've that. always
0: got blah blah blah. Yeah. You know. So I take that totally out of the equation.
1: That's that's so smart. Uh, they say you'll find a way or you'll find an excuse. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now another thing that uh, if you'll let me share. Yeah. Um is they'll want to know, well, what do you, do you use a book or do you, what, what are you going to study or what are you going to use, you know, because I've already given them these three books. Yeah. And um, I say, well, again, we're going to decide that after we know who's going to be in the group because you may have um, somebody who's been a Christian all of their life, they've been a Sunday school teacher, they've taught this, they've taught that, they've studied that. Uh, And you might have somebody that's just a new Christian, they've only been a a Christian for a year or two or three. Um, I had one lady that, I'm not sure if she had a Bible. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful.
0: And so what are you going to tell if you have that kind of a mixture? Now, don't get in your head that that's the wrong mixture. You can't blend uh, a brand new Christian or somebody that maybe doesn't even have a Bible in with somebody that maybe has 10 Bibles, Yeah, because yeah. I've had that too. Mm-hmm. But again, I say the same thing. We're going to wait until we know who all is going to be in our group, mm-hmm. and then we will find something that's right for everyone.
1: Yeah, and but what you're doing is you are being faithful to the ones that God gives you. And I just can't Impress that point enough is that this isn't about going out and finding the perfect group of right. people with your perfect filter and all of this stuff. It's literally making yourself available. You're following this acronym <laughs> too. And the Lord will give them to... I, that is one of the quickest answered prayers you'll ever have. Lord, show me somebody today that I can invest in or love on or... Um, uh, or or shine your light if or share you with them if that prayer it seems like God answers that immediately um but this and this investing one takes a little more time who am I going to invest my next three years of my life in spiritually right but think about it uh you know when you talk about casting a vision for these people uh, what I like to do in my recruiting process my selection process is say to them look You know, let's say a guy in my group's 30 years old. I say, you know, in three years, you're going to be 33. You might as well be 33 and be fully equipped to live out the Great Commission than to just be 33 and still know what you know now. And so the way to do that is to join us. And that seems to resonate with men. I don't know if it resonates with women that way, but you're going to get older anyway. You might as well, as you're older, know how to live out God's will for your life better and more. More fulfilled. So, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think that does cast a vision for them of where they could be, where they will be. Uh, not not right. pinpoint it.
0: Again, it comes back to that characteristic of being hungry. How hungry are they to grow? Yeah. How hungry are they to learn?
1: hmm
0: How hungry are they to serve? hmm And, you know, probably if, when you can find that, you can almost see it in their eyes. hmm that's why I don't, I don't go for the telephone conversations. I want to be able to look in that person's eye. Mm-hmm. And you can see so many things there that will show you what's inside, what they're thinking, what they're feeling. And um, so that, that to me is maybe a quality that is just immeasurable mm-hmm. in finding that right selection of a person.
1: Well, you um, you are a pro, and uh, we appreciate you so much. I can only imagine the women that you've discipled over the years are going to listen to this and go, "Wait a minute! I remember Joan doing that." <laughs>
0: <laughs> they probably will.
1: But but I bet the disciples did the same thing about Jesus too. They looked back on it and went, "Wow, we had no idea when he was telling us that that you know that's really where he was going." And look so. what happened. And look. What happened? Well, look what's happening with you. It's good stuff, and um, we appreciate you, Joan, for being here. Uh, the faith acronym is great. I think people are going to really take that away. Um, the master plan for evangelism, the exchange, the uh, the, invested the invested life, invested life. Excuse me. Uh huh. And then the biblical principles of discipleship are all great resources. And uh, I believe all these are on our website, 419disciplemakers.org. There's tons of resources there uh, that you can find. And um, I just want to thank you for your faithfulness uh, and for for being willing to share uh, some of your knowledge and skill with us today. You're more than welcome. Is there anything, uh, any parting words that you would have for those listening out there today that are kind of on the fence of of, uh, leading?
0: Well, I like this saying. I, I'm not sure where I got it, but but I like it, and I hope you will too. Spiritual growth requires a diligent pursuit of God. Mm. Spiritual growth mm-hmm. requires a diligent pursuit of God. So mm-hmm. if you're out there, you're wanting to know God better, and you're wanting to look into his face, mm-hmm. and you're wanting to grow you'll know what I just said, meant something.
1: Yes, that really resonates with hungry people.
0: Mm-hmm, it does.
1: Well, thank you, Joan. God bless you for your time today.
0: For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. Join us again next week as we continue our conversation on the 419 Disciplemakers podcast.